The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Well, it's going to be weird, but if you have your Bibles, will you join me in John chapter 1? We have been in Hebrews for a few weeks together as a church. Um, if you're our, our guest, it's our, our practice to preach uh, primarily verse by verse through books of the Bible. And we have one sermon left in the book of Hebrews. And we will um, cover that text next week. Um, but this morning we're going to be in John chapter 1 because... Um, today, being uh, Christmas Eve, is um, a celebration of the, of the incarnation of God becoming flesh. And as John tells us here, dwelling among us. You know, chances are we all know the story really, really well. Um, we know the story of... Uh, Mary and the angel's visit. We know the, the story of the manger and, and the, the wise men. If we're not careful, we can think of the incarnation, we can think of, of Christmas as um, you know, something that happened all of these thousands of years ago. And it's, it's just this historical story that we like and that we you know, have um, decor up this time of year and and look at nativities. Um, and if we're not careful, we sort of stop realizing what it is that the incarnation is showing us and is teaching us today. Because there, there, there is much um, application, there is much effect of the, the incarnation in your life and in um, my life. The, the reality, the truth that... Um, the Creator God became man and made His dwelling among us really changes everything. And the, the coming of, of Christ should um, inform us in a lot of ways on, on how to live, on how to live. And that, that's sort of where my mind has, has been over the last week as I, I've thought of the Incarnation and um, what it is about Christ coming that informs and changes how I see life and how um, I should live. And for some reason, my mind sort of went to and, and got stuck on and, and dwelled on that Christ coming in the form of a man made virtue visible. That the incarnation makes virtue visible. I think maybe my mind went there because we are, are living in a battle over virtue. More so than, than any time that I remember in my life. I'm, I'm not that old. 40 years old, but it seems more than ever there is a battle over virtue in society. 
We, we hear this language. Uh, we usually hear it in the terms of virtue signaling. That there are people who, who are just virtue signaling. And maybe, maybe you hear that language, you hear the word virtue, and you think, I, I, I hear that, I think I know what that means, but I'm not, I'm not really even very sure what we mean by, by virtue. Well, what is virtue is, is maybe the question we should start with if we think in terms of the incarnation making virtue visible. Well, well virtue is living in a manner that is right. That's virtue. That's, that's, the, that's the easiest way to define it. That's the, the easiest way to understand it. That to live virtuously is to live rightly. It's to live upright. Virtue is the elevation of what is considered the highest moral character. That's, that is virtue. To, to live with the, the highest of moral character, to live rightly. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, a way that we use the language, and you'll know it. If I said to you, patience is a... You would know it. Well, what does that mean? It means that patience is a good quality to have, right? It means that patience is a good thing to practice. That at times, patience is right. That patience is of a high moral character. That's virtue. Now, to live virtuously, to have virtue, is embedded in mankind. It is. The reason why it's sort of embedded in mankind is because we are created in the image and the likeness of God. And God is altogether virtuous. The problem comes that sin has clouded out our ability to see God, to see the God of virtue. And so in our effort to be virtuous, because it's embedded in us, in our effort to be virtuous, because the, the God of all virtue has been clouded out by sin, then we seek to define virtue in our own ways, and virtue begins to be twisted. That's, that's where we're living today. and It's probably where mankind has, has been since the, the fall, but it, it, it feels like this, for me at least, more than, than ever. That darkness has clouded out true virtue, because true virtue comes from God and our sin has clouded Him out. And so we seek to find virtue and define it in our own ways. Again, I will give you an example. Many would say that the highest of all virtue is love. The highest of all virtue is love. And I, I probably would agree with that statement. But because God, 
who is the one who defines what is virtuous, is clouded by the darkness of sin. The notion of what constitutes love becomes twisted. So in our culture, if we say the highest of all virtue is love, then we must say then, like, well, what is the the greatest expression of love? The culture would say the greatest expression of love is acceptance. But that isn't how God would describe love. God doesn't describe love in terms of acceptance. How would God describe love? God would describe love in terms of sacrifice. I'll give you some examples. John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Love equals sacrifice. The greatest expression of love is sacrifice. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Again, walk in love. How? Through sacrifice. 1 John chapter 4, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Then you see the way God defines love is sacrifice. It's seen in Christ Jesus. The world twists the virtue of love and makes it acceptance. Here's why I even say all of that is to say that true virtue is only seen and known in God. True virtue. If you, if you want to be virtuous, if you want to have virtue, the highest of moral character, then that only comes in seeing and knowing God. But darkness clouds this out. And darkness is the state of all of creation. Darkness. Before the incarnation, before the light comes, we dwell in darkness. One of the the ways that the Old Testament prophesies of the coming of Christ is uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse, verse 2, I believe. It says, those who dwell in darkness have seen a great light. Seen a great light. This, this is where John goes in his introduction to Christ. And it is different than all the other gospel writers. John has no record of the nativity. John has has no genealogy. John goes back even further than that. When it comes to the incarnation, John goes back even further than that to the beginning of all things. And John's introduction to Christ in Christ's incarnation is 
really theological in nature. And what he's wanting us to see is that in the incarnation, in the coming of Jesus, that Jesus serves us as a light so that we who are once in darkness can now see God. That's, that's John's um, Christmas story. Read with me John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John takes us back. And he takes us all the way back, past the the manger, past Mary. He takes us all the way back so that we can see that in the incarnation is the light of the world. You see this, this theme of light and darkness all throughout the text. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, verse 4. This light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, verse 5. There was a man who was sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that we might believe through Him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. The first thing to see in this text that John wants to make clear to us is that this light, this light of the world has always been shining and it's been shining since before creation. That's that's John's first point here. John takes us back all the way before creation itself. And then in and through creation to see that this light This light of life, this light of men has always been there. It's always been there. In the beginning was the Word, John says. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was 
In the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning was the Word, John says. The Word was with God. And the Word was God, and all things were made through this Word. And then John tells us that this Word that was there in the beginning that is the agent of creation, that is the the holy God. This word is the true light. And he has always been there. He's always been shining. Since before the creation of the world, this light of men has shone forth. And it is through this light that everything that is not God has been made through this light. I'll front load a little bit where we go. We end there in verse 14 if you didn't pick up. This this light is the glory of God. This glory of God has always been there. This glory of God that is seen in the Word that became flesh has eternally existed. But there's a major change that is sort of implied, inferred in the text in verse 5. And this change is a major problem. And what is this problem? This problem is is darkness. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5. I mean, that's all really good news. And then comes verse 5. This light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. See, here's the flow from the text. In the beginning was the Word, and this Word we come to see is Christ, and this Word that is Christ is life, and this life that is Christ is light, but then darkness. Darkness in verse 5. Where does this darkness come from? This light shines in the darkness. Where does this darkness come from? If, If He has always been there shining forth the glory of God, then where does the darkness come from? Well, we know that the darkness came through the fall of man into sin. That this is the state of creation before the incarnation. If you needed to to describe creation between the fall of man and the incarnation of Christ, the clearest way to describe it, the way that the Bible best describes it, is darkness. It's darkness. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 speaks of mankind who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of of darkness. I hope you see here the language of virtue and the problem of sin. We walk in the ways of darkness, darkness forsaking the paths of uprightness. We rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversiveness 
of evil. The world, the Bible says, the world is a kingdom of darkness. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. This darkness that the light has shone into, this darkness is the power of evil that causes men to love darkness. John chapter 3, verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Here's what John is saying. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made through Him. Apart from Him was nothing that was made, has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Light there, eternal light there for all to see. But darkness. But darkness came. Darkness came and clouded out the light. And we dwelt in darkness. The light was there. The light's always been there. The light was just veiled because of our sin. Now, if you were to do a a word study on darkness, and specifically the the use of darkness in in the Old Testament pre-incarnation, something strange begins to pop up. And what's strange is how darkness is used as the description of the presence of God. Now that's strange to me because what has John just said? In the beginning it was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this word is the life, the light of men, that God is light. The Bible says God is light, and in Him there is no darkness. But all through the Old Testament, we see the presence of God manifest before the people of God in terms of darkness. Exodus chapter 20, verse 21, the people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 12, Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that He would dwell in thick darkness. Psalm 18, 9, He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under His feet. Psalm 97, verse 2, Clouds and thick darkness are all around Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne. How is it that God's presence is described as darkness. If Christ is light, how is His presence described as darkness? That's, that should be the question that we're left asking ourselves. This is the language of John. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shone in the darkness. Now, I want to be very, very clear here because we, we get really, if we're not careful, we can get really close uh, to some... Heresy. We don't want to get close to heresy. That's not a good thing. It is not to say 
that God by His nature is darkness. This darkness equates to evil. We're not saying that God is evil. There is there's no hint of evilness. There's no hint of sin. So what does it mean that God dwells in darkness? Well, when He comes before the people. Here's what it means. It means that our sin, our unrighteousness, has caused God for us to be unseeable. Our sin makes it where we cannot see Him and live. And so when God would come and manifest Himself before the people of God, He would, because of our sin, do so in darkness. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says of Christ, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. You see, this is the problem of our sin. The problem of our sin is that it brings darkness. The problem of our sin is that it clouds out the light of the glory of God. It clouds out the light of Christ. It, our sin leaves us in darkness and it causes us to stumble and to grope looking for the way. In darkness, trying to figure out what's right, what's virtuous. But our sin makes God clouded. We can't see Him. That's why verse 5 is such really good news for you and for me. That when Christ has come in the incarnation, when He came, the light, the eternal light of God shone forth in the darkness. We dwelt in darkness Mankind in darkness. So God became man so that the light of Christ could break through the darkness. The light shines in the darkness. And here's the good news. The darkness, it does not have the power to overcome the light. In Christ, the light has come in Christ. Light shines in the darkness. And this darkness, John says, this darkness will not overcome the light of Christ. The darkness no longer can swallow up this light. The darkness cannot defeat this life. Because now the true life has come. The true light has come. And in Christ Jesus, and He is invincible. He is invincible. Again, Jesus spoke to them in John chapter 8, verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the life, the light of light.
Listen, this is really good news for us because it feels like the darkness is going to overtake us. It feels like we will be overcome. I, I, I'm just telling you how it, how it feels. If, if you're a, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you are seeking to live virtuously, true virtue, it feels like we're being overpowered. It feels like the darkness is winning. But what the incarnation shows us, what God becoming man and bursting forth light in darkness, what He shows us in His life, in His death, and in His resurrection is that darkness will not triumph in the end. Light will. Christ will. This light that came in Christ in His incarnation defeats darkness. And in Christ Jesus, God has made Himself visible to us. His life was light. That's what the text is showing us. In Him was life, and this life was the light of men. It cannot be defeated because His life is invincible. He could not be defeated by darkness. He is still full of life. And His life is the light of men because His life illuminated, His life made God visible. That's what the incarnation did. The incarnation made God visible in the darkness of humanity because He came in humanity to shine a light. That's the the culmination of these verses. In Him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, there was a man sent from God whose whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came came to bear witness about the light. That's not not John the Apostle. That's John the Baptist, because there were many who were following him who believed that he maybe was the Messiah. John the Apostle is making it clear. No, John the Baptist is not the one foretold. John the Baptist is not the the everlasting word. John the Baptist is not the light. John the Baptist came to bear witness about the light. But now the true light, verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. In darkness, the light of Christ came to make visible God to humanity. He was in the world. That that is to say He was in the world. He was in flesh. He was in the world. The world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. I mean, there's just a 
There's a, a sense in the language here of just how absolutely preposterous this is, right? I mean, that, that God came in the world which He made, but the world didn't know Him. Why did the world not know Him? The world didn't know Him because the world dwelt in darkness. The world didn't know Him. He came to His own, to His own people, but they didn't receive Him. He came to the Jews, the ones to whom... This promise was made that those who dwelt in darkness will see a great light. He came as light of the world, but they didn't receive Him. Still clouded by their sin. But to all who do receive Him, to all who believe in His name, He gave them the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And then the culmination in verse 14. And this word, this pre-existent eternal word that is life, that is the light of men, this word became flesh. He took our nature. He took our nature so that the darkness could be broken through. He took our nature and He dwelt among us. He made His dwelling among us. Now there's, um, we, we could preach a whole sermon on the word dwelt here. It's, it's, it's literally tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously full of Old Testament reference. That the tabernacle was the place where God dwelt with His people. It was the tabernacle that was surrounded in this cloud of darkness. Well, Christ came in flesh and He made His dwelling. He tabernacled among us in flesh. But He didn't do so veiled in darkness. Not, not this time. No, this time... As He made His dwelling among us, this time, now, He makes God visible. Now He is light. And in Him, we see His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ in His incarnation made the invisible God visible. Christ in His incarnation made the clouded by sin clear for us. Christ in His incarnation made His dwelling among us so that we could see the glory of God in Christ Jesus. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is God's very nature. It's His very essence. It's His radiant holiness. It is His virtue, His moral excellence shining forth in Christ Jesus the glory of God is made visible for all to see. What was it that Moses wanted to see? God, would you show me your glory? God said, Moses, I can't show you my glory and you live because of sin. You can't do it. 
So I'll hide you in the, the, the rock and I'll cover you over and I'll pass by you and you can just barely get a glimpse of the backside of me. And, and Moses came down and, and did what? Shone forth what? Light. Light. The glory of God is manifest in light. When Christ is, is glorified on, on the Mount of Tr Transfiguration, what does He do? He becomes illuminous. His light shines forth. This, this, this high moral, excellent character of His very nature on display as unapproachable light. The glory of God, His splendor, His majesty, His excellence, His preeminence, His grace, His truth. In Christ Jesus, the glory of God, which was hidden to Moses, has now made, been made visible for all to see. In Christ Jesus, what was once clouded is clear. In Christ, we see God. We see God in His living. We see God in His character. We find in Christ true virtue. We find in Him what it looks like to live with the utmost moral character. We see in Christ what it means to have a nature that is altogether right and true and faithful and loving. What the incarnation has done for us is He has made God knowable. He's made Him visible. He's made Him visible in a way that supersedes how creation has made Him visible. He's made Him visible in a way that in Christ Jesus we see the glory of God that is the light of His moral character shining forth. The invisible has become visible. And now for you and for me, practically, that means that in Christ we can see clearly how it is we are to live. In Christ, we see what is the real and true measure of virtue. Because He is the light of the glory of God. But church, it even goes a step further than that. Not only in Christ do we see before us a real-life example of how we are to live virtuously. Because He was a man just like me. He was tempted in all the ways we have been tempted, yet without sin. In Christ, we don't just get to see an example, though that's useful, it's incredibly useful. 
But in Christ, by faith, that light that displays the glory of God, that light doesn't just live there outside of us as an example, but that very light through the gospel comes to dwell in us. To make us light. That is John chapter 8 verse 12. We we read it just a, a second ago. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light of, or the light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. In the gospel, not only, in the incarnation, not only is God made visible to us in the life of Christ, but God is made to come and live in us the glory of God displayed through us as we become light. You are the light of the world, Matthew chapter 5. So what does that mean, church? That means that this virtuous, holy glory of God that is put on display in Christ, in His coming and tabernacling with us, that then through the gospel, by faith, comes to dwell in us so that we can rightly display to a dark world the light of the glory of God as we walk and live in the light. That is, in virtue. The world wants to define virtue outside of Christ, but it cannot be done it will always be a counterfeit virtue clouded by sin because Christ is the light of men. Christ is all virtue. If you stop and you think, maybe do a Google search, what are virtues? They are all Christ. He is honest and kind, humble and patient. He is true and honorable. He is just and He is pure and He is lovely and He is loving. Because He is the light of the world. He is the glory of God. He has made God visible. The radiant glory of God which was veiled in darkness, has now shone forth in light in Christ Jesus. And by faith, that light can live in you. It's one of the things we see in the incarnation. That's a very strange Christmas sermon, I understand. But maybe we as a a people need to think a little more deeply about really what it means 
for the word to become flesh and to make his glory among us so that we can see his glory as the one and only full of grace and truth. Father, would you help us see in Christ the radiant glory of God made visible. God's full character on display, moral holiness, no shadow, no hint of darkness, no hint of evil, no hint of wrongdoing or sin. Christ in the flesh made the invisible visible because in the God-man we see the glory of God displayed for us in His virtue. In His virtue. And so would we, by faith, then receive this light, be born again and receive a new life that is light, the light of Christ in us, so that we can, on this earth, live virtuously. And by doing so, let our light shine before men so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.